Welcome to Solution Focus Possibilities Podcast. We want to help you have more productive conversations in whatever area of work or life you find yourselves in. What better way to do that than to invite you into our own conversations as we discuss our solution focused practice, our different experiences and findings. We hope you find this helpful, useful and inspiring. Welcome to our podcast. So last week we talked about note taking, which uh, I promised people that haven't listened to that one yet is much more entertaining uh, than it sounds. Um, But we wanted to do this episode this week because we didn't want to give the impression that solution focused approach is only really useful in those situations where you'd be taking lots of notes, like quite clinical role, like traditional therapy or whatever. Uh, So Greg, solution focused as an approach, is that something that can be useful or used outside of the areas that perhaps people might expect it to be like within the counseling world can it be used outside of that yeah yes is the answer <laughs> i think in short good <laughs> um yeah there's tons of different areas i think it can be used in in terms of day-to-day conversations people are having um yeah social care side of things schools like young offenders like that's just to name probably a few yeah, it could pretty much be used anywhere where the change is either um, desired so that people want to see something different or and don't know how or they are not feeling okay with where they are or when somebody else wants somebody else to change. And that could apply to, well, who doesn't, who hasn't been in a situation where they wanted to do or see or feel or touch or smell something different. I mean, I'm, is I'm there any characteristic Go for it. Sorry, I mean, you, your question was, you know, could it be, could it be used in non-clinical settings? Um, I'm, I'm going to ramp it up a bit. I'm going to say it should be. I'm going to go a bit further and say it should be. I mean, I um, was, I, I love um, reading stuff by uh, Raya Gull. And she, I remember talking to her and her say, you know, um, that she wanted to give the these questions and this approach like to the people almost. You know, let's let's get away from it being something that is only owned by, you know, the elite, um, you know, clinical staff, and actually something that's much more community based. Um, and so, so I I would say rather than could it's should, um, and I would also add in the word need. So I'm often working with and talking with people who are like. You know what I, I love I you know I really love these ideas and I love the idea of um, being able to sit down in a in a clinical type setting for an hour with someone and and follow this through from start to finish, but real world and real life um, means that that's not always possible. I might have 10, 15 minutes mm. with someone max. Um, so I would say as well as could, it should and also need. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's. I think we'll get onto that in a bit about how we could use it in those different areas. But just a bit of history. Um, was solution? I don't know anything about the history of solution focus. Was it made for a clinical setting originally? Yes, it was um, in a sense. So not in a sense of um, say with the white coats, but it was um, an answer to long waiting lines um, in a small centre for um, what did they call? themselves brief therapy center in milwaukee um, and they were observing they're working with clients and looking for ways of making the therapy briefer so initially it did originate from therapy and social care but it has because it was so pragmatic and simple um, other approaches soon started realizing the worth and value and took it on like coaching um management um there is an association which is called asfio so association for solutions focusing organizations that um if people are willing to go on their web page they can see like the vast um scope of interests and and industries where solution focus is used so yes it did originate from say more clinical settings but nowadays it's become um much more widespread so it's not just used in clinical Mm -hmm. settings anymore so the idea of someone 
in everyday life using some sort of uh, therapeutic technique on me would be a bit off-putting perhaps um and a bit overbearing potentially is there anything about the solution focused approach that makes it different to other approaches that allows it to be used quite naturally um in a non-threatening way like in, in everyday conversation or in situations outside of counseling i think for me it's about the idea of we're asking questions and inviting people to think about things so i know that's a word the invitation is a word that evan george talks a lot about and it's this idea of it's an invitation that can be accepted or, or rejected as as a question and so we're not saying we're not coming at things from an expert position of like we know what you should do with your life so i think in that standpoint we can ask a question or two and then leave people to think about it and then life happens and as things emerge they might find their own answers or keep thinking about it or think about something a little bit differently and then that leads to change so i think from that standpoint that's something that yeah solution focus practice does that other approaches might do as well um but i suppose this is maybe my ignorance or cynical view but it, it doesn't come from a view of trying to get someone to do something or knowing or feeling like we know what's right and what someone should be doing. I think mm. we, we come at it from less of, a, of an expert position and we're not trying to analyze and understand everything that's going on in their lives and all the dynamics and, and everything else and how things affect each other. We're, we're asking questions and some of those things might come up, but we're not starting from a point of we need to know all that before we can help you. And the thing is, isn't it, when um, people want to learn some techniques and tools to help other people, there is this paradigm that you need to have awful lot of knowledge and experience before you can start working with people. So hence, uh, most of the counselling courses would be years long before you can actually go into a therapy room and start practicing. While with Solution Focus, it's so simple. You can learn it as little as two days. Um, well, mastering, that, that that's a whole different question, but it doesn't take long to understand the, the ideas um, and to get the tools and then putting start putting them into practice. And for instance, um, that could be so attractive for so many people who are wanting to make a difference. Uh, I remember 2019 was a year where, say, in youth field, a lot of um, mental health importance has come to place. So we did a lot of trainings for youth workers on mental health, and they had this question like, oh, but, you know, we're not qualified, we're not um, ready to be helping young people um, in this regard. And then we said, well, you don't have to because people solution-focused approach doesn't view people as problems that need to be fixed. So you can just, you know, simply ask them a couple of questions and see where it takes it. And, mm. and that's really, really attractive to people who maybe don't feel like they belong to clinical profession or don't want to belong to clinical professions and they can still make such a big difference. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I mean, both of those points picking up on the, the idea, I think it's so important, this idea that obviously we are, um, we're not the expert on, on that person's life and what they're going through and that, that enables I think more people to apply it in more settings and that point that people was raising around um, you know the length of time it takes to train you know I, I would say it takes a sort of a continual lifetime to really hone the skills but that idea of grasping the ideas and starting to use them um, is much quicker than other approaches I mean my experience um, this might just be me, but I've been through all kinds of mental health trainings in different job roles. And when you're not, um, you know, really going through the mill and doing three years of study and you're just doing this sort of two, two days training, which, you know, for a lot of people, that's all the time and money they can give. Um, I tend to find that a lot of the training will often um, focus almost 90% on understanding the causes and the issues and then there'll be very little that's about, okay, so now what do we do about it? Um, and, and I often found myself leaving trainings thinking like, okay, that was really interesting. And gosh, yeah, I definitely learned things that I didn't know before. But, ah, oh, like, what do I do about it? And if anything, I feel a bit more overwhelmed about working with those people that I did before. Um, and I think that was, for me, thinking back to when I first discovered Solution Focused, 
that was the big light bulb moment for me that made me go, this is what I want to do. It's because it was like a complete reversal. Whereas most trainings I'd been on would spend 90% of the time talking about understanding the issues and then 10% on what you can do about it. Solution focus was 90%, what can you do about it? Um, and it was so refreshing for me. I was like, yes, finally, you know, training on what we can actually do to help people. Um, and, and it's straight, you know, you're jumping straight in and straight away you're like, okay, here are some questions that I can go away and practice and try out. Um, I was working with like some uh, like foster um, kind of carers and um, youth youth offending staff, like a whole mix of people. And one of the activities that I got them to try and practice was just the idea of the best hopes question followed by what difference would that make? It was two questions that they just repeated over and over. So what are your best hopes from us working together? And then what difference would that make? What difference would that make? What difference would that make? And all I asked them to do was just stick to that question, asking it over and over again. And they got to some really lovely conversations and answers. And all it was was two questions. And that's what's so like liberating about Solution Focus, I think, and why it can be applied in so many non-clinical settings. Yeah. Have you got any examples um, of, of, of the different places that, that it can be applied? Yes, I could... I could uh, list some examples which I've already mentioned, like working with youth workers. Um, mm -hmm. So the settings of those trainings were more like group trainings on a specific topic, say mental health, um, helping young people who come to youth organizations. And youth workers would often be the first person, like an ally, a friend that they would come to and they would trust and start talking about maybe issues at home or maybe something else. And then youth workers, um, like Ben said, people wouldn't feel equipped or they will have the knowledge of maybe understanding what's going on, but not knowing what to do about it. And um, basic training in solution focus approach and we didn't even call it that because it didn't um, seem to be relevant at that point they wanted tools and then of course they they got curious so they got in the, the bigger package it was so ask the young person what is it that they want what is it that they're hoping for because um, they would come with descriptions of what's not going right and um, maybe some troubles that's on their mind or on, on their hearts and then equipping youth workers with um, tools such as, okay, ask young person. So, you know, if our chat was useful for you, how would you know? Uh, what would you be hoping to get out of it? And then stop and listen. So don't try to be empathic as in saying, oh my God, this is so tough. And then th this opens up whole um, level of more um, complaints if you wish and it's not useful it's not fruitful as in, as in terms of helping people to move forward um, but instead yeah ask them so say that we have we had a really good chat um, and it made a difference to you what what would you be hoping to get out of it and that's such a simple question and so so difficult mm -hmm. so that's one example that comes to my mind as first yeah and no, I think for me, there was, I mean, it links in a bit with, I think what Ben was talking about before we, before we kicked everything off, but it's this idea of when something happens, like I did a webinar with some social workers on, I think it was just on Friday or yesterday, or two days ago. What day is today? It's just Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah. But kind of saying like, we get really curious and nosy about things when like something bad happens. And it's like, well, who was it? Who was there? What did they do? Well, tell me about it. Like, and just saying to people, like, we're really good at asking these questions. So just, you know, ask them <laughs> about something that they're, they're pleased about or something that whether went well. Mm. Um, I think a typical example of that is like when somebody comes back into the office that you're working with, like a colleague, and they say, oh, you know, that was, that was terrible. That was like the really difficult you know sort of visit or a visit like it was a difficult phone call like you can hear people in the office making some challenging phone calls at times and so you can kind of say oh, well what went, what went wrong like what, what what happened tell me about it or we could ask a simple question like okay so like how did you handle that like what were you kind of pleased about in terms of how you handled that conversation like how did you hmm. how did you end up like resolving it in a way that 
was okay to leave it for the day or to, to hang that phone up so that you know that sort of thing so i mm-hmm. think just being able to ask simple questions like that it's kind of that bit of yeah which bit do we want to focus on and kind of just looking at that idea of our colleagues as well have have strengths and abilities and resources and they're they're putting them into practice and but if we don't ask about them then they might lose sight of them yeah ben what were those the two questions you said earlier on what were those just for people that are perhaps have got very yeah. little background in solution focus what was the two questions yeah, sure and do you mind just unpacking that a little bit as well yeah of course um, so the so the first question uh, was what are your best hopes from us working together or what are your best hopes from us talking together um, which is you know typically how we we might start a solution focus conversation uh, and that's just really to ascertain um, what the what the person we're talking with actually you know wants and desires you know as a result of of our conversation um, solution focused is is all about you know, working towards something that someone wants rather than away from a difficulty. Um, so does does this still work in a situation that isn't a formal arrangement of someone coming for help? Like mm. if, if you were just with a friend yeah, yeah. Um, or a really casual situation and someone's talking to you yeah. about some situation they're in. I guess you wouldn't use the language of what's your hope for us working together or whatever. Would it be more about what's your hope for this situation that you're facing? What do you want the situation to look like eventually? I mean, I was, I was going to mention this anyway. I mean, you you used a lovely phrase earlier where you said you were talking about maybe these are some of the reasons why solution focused is a, uh, like a good fit for everyday conversations. And I was just going to make the point that I think, you know, solution focus still has a long way to go on that as well. Um, you know, Steve Deshaies, one of the founders, described solution focus as a rumor that's kind of always uh, you know, spreading and growing. And, and I think we can still improve on um, the idea of making the language more naturalistic, more everyday. Um, I think we can still still go on that but in terms of the best hopes like there's loads of different phrasings and ways of essentially asking the same thing so we'll often ask things like so how would you know that um, like our chat had been useful yeah it's still getting at this idea of what do people you know want moving forward uh, what would tell you this had been helpful is another one we'll com- commonly use um, yeah, I mean, I have, I mean, it's me, so I have with, you know, mates said, what are your best hopes? Um, and it's, you know, it's a bit weird, but it's, it's still fine, it still works. Yeah, yeah. Um, still goes ahead. Um, and, you know, and for me, the the other setting, just because I I used to work as a teacher and because I, I've spent a lot of time of my life there, the other setting that jumps out is, is schools and education and there's, you know, teachers... Um, you know, bless and work so hard and do not have um, time to spend 45, 50 minutes sat down with the young person doing a whole formal solution focus session. But there's loads of opportunities, I believe, for short, sharp, you know, more informal solution focus conversations. Um, you know, and, and if we're thinking about this best hopes question, is, let's think of a quick example, maybe like you've got a student who's joining a new form class, yeah? and they're worried about joining the new form class, they're worried about making friends and everything. Now, you could imagine teachers um, trying to be as helpful as they can, you know, asking that young person, what is it that you're worried about? Yeah, mm-hmm. what is it that you're worried about joining this new film class, which is a typical traditional problem solving route. You know, what is it that you're worried about? Can we help solve it? Whereas if you're trying to sprinkle in some solution focused into your kind of everyday conversations, then you might ask that young person, you know, so what, what are your best hopes from joining this new form class? Mm. Yeah. If, if joining this new form class you know, worked out really well for you, how would you know? Yeah. yeah, that's good. That's answered my question because that's what I mean. It was what I was trying to get at was that whether the the question about hope was about the conversation you're having or about the the actual situation they were finding themselves in. Mm. So that yeah, okay. Yeah, and that is a cool. good point. There's a um, there's a little word that changes which we we often talk about when we're training people, which is if you ask people um, what are your best hopes 
for our conversation today, then sometimes it can lead lead to people thinking that it's like, well, I want to get things off my chest and I want you mm. to tell me some really wise things and it's about the conversation. Whereas if you swap for for the word from, it then becomes more about the outcome and what they want in the future. So what are your best hopes from our talking together, from our conversation today? Yeah. But Greg has got that face on him, so... Gonna... I want to be. I want to be controversial. <laughs> Go be for controversial. it. <laughs> um, I'm going to say I don't think we need the best hopes all the time with informal conversations. Yeah. Ooh. Because I think I mean it just an example came to mind of somebody I was talking with, and they were very annoyed, shall we say, and frustrated about something, and I just kind of I think I just stopped and said to him, you know, like, wow, like given how kind of. I don't want to say worked up you are about it, but how much this is getting to you, it kind of tells me you really want something to be different. And they just said, well, yeah, of course I want it to be different. And then that just leads you into, I think, one of the greatest questions in Solution Focus, which is, well, what do you want to be seeing and happening instead? And instantly then, like, that really kind of slowed them in their tracks. So I think that partly for me is about, do we really need the best hopes question, depending on where, where you're going? Um, but also, like, the point of view that we have about people like we kind of assume people want things to be be better in their life and or, and, and are trying to make that happen but i think if somebody comes across as really like angry or passionate or frustrated about something then how are we how are we responding and kind of managing that but I, yeah so is sorry, it always needed sorry to ask a really ignorant question potentially but what's the difference between the best hopes question and what you just asked your mate is that not the same thing? Great question, Jamie. Great question. <laughs> not ignorant at all. All of your questions are great, Jamie. For me, I think That's the best kind. hopes question, there's a difference between saying, getting that as like a, an outcome. So it's, it's a hoped for outcome from a conversation, from the work. And that can be something, we want that to be something a bit more general, broader. So... Well, I do anyway. Ben's going to probably say something different about it. I don't know what Beavis' <laughs> take is on it. But I think as soon as we start getting like loads of um, description, so if a best hopes generally is kind of okay, I'd be happier, getting along better. You know, if, if this was a family, they'd be saying things, maybe like better atmosphere in the house where we'd be able to do things like X, Y, and Z. Whereas if I just say, well, what would you want to see happening instead? Then they just start describing the things they'd want to be seeing. And I think once you get into that specific description, you kind of move away from the best hopes as, a, as an outcome, if that makes sense. And it's just a description of kind of how they'd want that interaction to be with, with someone else. So is, is it a bit like, what is it? And then what does it look like? Are they, yeah. do they, is that, yeah. is that what we're saying is different? So, but I guess it's quite a blur, really, isn't it? Yeah. Some, some of the wording is really subtle. I mean, you just take that question that Greg asked, which is, you know, what would be happening instead? If you ask what would be happening instead, that goes into the, the description of, you know, what they want their life to look like, which is what we would call the preferred future. But if you add one word in and you say, uh, what would you want to be happening instead? And they give you an answer, then at least I would say that that's going back to contracting what their hopes are. Yeah, and it's just one word difference. So if you ask what what would be happening instead, that's preferred future description. What would you want to be happening instead? I would say is best hopes and then naming. And I know Greg disagrees because we disagree on this all the time. Uh, but I think the um, the kind of main useful point for this and for people listening in is that there's um, you have this kind of bank of questions in solution focused and. Um, there's lots of subtleties and they can kind of there's lots of little variations but um, they're very forgiving and I think that is another reason why this is a useful approach in those non-clinical settings and conversations because um, first of you know first of all the questions are very forgiving and if you phrase them slightly differently it's kind of easy to get back on track with a useful conversation um, and also because you're talking about um, you know people's hopes in by case or if you're talking about what they want you know their life to look like which maybe greg will go straight in for um it's very hard to like do any do any damage with that compared to if you're asking about people's difficulties and problems and 
traumas when you when you were asking them about what they want in the future and how they would know things were going well um, you know it's a really uh, it's quite a light touch risk-free approach and I think that's another reason why it's good for non-clinical practice I want to hear what Biba thinks yeah Biba's sat there very quietly just preparing herself yeah <laughs> um, like comparing the use of the approach in clinical and non-clinical settings what comes to my mind is um, what you have already started saying that in non-clinical settings it's rare that you would use say the whole model of the approach at least in my experience and I work say from youth workers to highly complex political structures like the government and um, sometimes you would think, okay, so those are really simple tools. So there are for frontline workers, there are for people who have direct contact with people. Um, and could it also work in more hierarchical, um, bigger organizations, more political structures? Can it, where things are really, really complex and complicated? Mm. And you think, oh, then you would need more understanding of what's going on and you would need to see the power relations and all of that that's important, say, for a big organization like the government. Um, and what comes to my mind, I mean, in, re in recent experience working with the government that's been specifically useful is um, they wanted to do something around about the conflicts which you can imagine in different sectors between different um, departments uh, is quite often in such big structures. And they went on uh, requesting a training in order to get equipped with the strategies where they could recognize that the conflict is going to happen, um, analyze what to do with it and have strategies on how to deal with difficult people. Um, and then when we negotiated the training, uh, I said something, okay, so what would you want to be seeing different as a result that would tell you that the training has been useful? And they said, well, we would literally want to see people get on better so that they could have better collaboration with each other. And we said, okay, fine. So if our training led to better collaboration, uh, would that be useful? Yes, it would. So that's kind of um, doesn't imply that you need to have the strategies of analyzing what sort of conflict conflict might happen and is happening, but can still kind of um, enable you to move forward into better collaboration. So I'll give you an example from the training where um, people said, oh, I just can't work with this person because we always have a clash. Like whenever we come together, um, she or he always does this and that and it's not my fault and I do my job and it's just the other person that is to blame and that, that person of course was not in the room uh, or it's like my boss doesn't uh, care about my work they always diminish it uh, I'm always the one that has to adjust and I can't keep going anymore so in that sense of course you could go with okay so what what are your best hopes from this like how would you like to see things different and they would go maybe in a description of how the other person would describe would behave differently which is fair enough um, and sometimes isn't possible and um, there is a wonderful tool that is so simple and works really well in such complex structures which is um, looking for exceptions so asking people okay so it seems like this has been going on and on and on and on and you can't see things different unless the other person changes so when are the times that you get on a little bit better uh, when are the times that the conflict doesn't escalate as much as it does and often the first response will be oh it's always it's always bad it's always really really bad so okay when are the times when it's less bad and to invite people to think about the moments when things are slightly different. And um, in the early model, that was very crucial for the Milwaukee team 40 years ago. This is when they noticed that people start turning towards maybe thinking about solutions instead of being kind of trapped in their problems. Um, and in those instances, there is something that's different. So somebody is doing something different and it's worth exploring. So we literally built the whole training around that and people found it incredibly, incredibly useful as a tool in their pockets um, where they encountered conflicts. So there you go. I mean, even in, com in very, very complex um, structures and complicated relationships, simple tools work better than complex ones, maybe.
Just a quick, just to go back on something um, earlier on, Ben, you were saying about those questions uh, that you, you could ask, those two really simple questions. I just wonder for people who uh, who perhaps haven't had a lot of experience of solution-focused, uh, the solution-focused approach, um, how does asking those questions actually do anything? Like just because someone can picture a future that looks better or they have a hope for the future, um, how does that actually impact their life? Because it might sound like, you know, you're just asking questions that's not actually doing anything. You're not actually helping the person. Um, yeah, I'm happy to. I can see Greg's chopping in the bit as well. So he's going to let me go first. Okay. I'll, I'll kick off and then Greg can uh, can correct me or I'll be on reset whatever. Never, um, never. Just, um, you know, enhance. Enhance and build on. Enhance. There we go. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I mean, this is like this is a common question where because people are used to advice giving, right? That's that's how we help people is we say, well, this is what I think you should do. Um, why don't you try X, Y, and Z? That's that's how we know to help people traditionally. But of course, that is built upon the um, the belief that we have some expertise and knowledge to impart that's going to be greater than what the other person we're talking to knows themselves right um whereas solution focused is built on the premise and the belief that actually the person we're talking with is the expert on their lives and they're going to be the ones who can find the best ways forward for themselves yeah so um, asking and inviting them to describe their preferred future, describe you know life where they were living at their best and what they wanted to be present, is really what I would say, um, well, this phrase, creating a home for possibilities. It's sort of like widening the menu of options and you know, people can start to see and taste and smell different possibilities and then choose you know choose which ones um that fit best for them and that they want to to go forward with um and you know for me i think a few things are happening when people describe their hopeful future so one of the things i think is um they start to realize maybe that some of the things they're describing they're already doing or they're already doing some of so they start to feel better about themselves already um, and then also there's this thing of, um, you know, and I use the silly example that um, I heard from Elliot Connie ages ago, where he says, if you spend an hour talking about eating some really nice cheese, then you're probably more likely to then actually go and get some cheese. Right. So it's that simple. So if someone spends some time thinking and talking about, you know, the life that they want, then potentially they're more likely to actually start making steps towards it. Yeah, but it's about opening up possibilities, creating a, a space to explore possibilities, and then trusting that people will make the best steps and the best decisions for themselves, as opposed to that more traditional perspective, which is okay. I have got to come up with something clever to tell them and to advise them. Yeah, um, and I would also say, Jamie, this is another little layer to ponder on. I would also say that to a degree, these conversations can be used on yourself as well. In, mm. in your own head, I have a, um, a colleague who, who talks about using this when their car broke down one day on the side of the road. And they, and they paused and they stopped and they you know, took a few deep breaths and then they started asking themselves the solution-focused questions, which is around, you know, so like, how would I know that I was dealing with this as well as possible? And started answering those in their own head and then selecting the answers they actually wanted to go and do practically and started to take that action. Yeah. So, yeah. So basically what we're saying is we're in that, in that, process of getting someone to kind of visualize their future it's almost like uh yeah getting them to see perhaps options that they hadn't have thought about unless you'd kind of allowed them or led them down that path to kind of explore some different options yeah is that kind of it 
Yeah, options, um, maybe kind of like widening the horizon a bit in terms of maybe thinking of options that uh, they hadn't thought of before. Uh, but it also could be options that they did know but were just being sort of lying dormant for a while. Right. Um, you know, or options that they are already doing some of and they think I can do a bit more of that. Um, and, and also this is, you know, this talk about um, your hoped for future, your preferred future, is also in solution focus coupled with that stuff Bieber was talking about about the exceptions and, and what we would call resources so times when things are already working are already better and when you start to blend those two um, mm. it's quite a, a potent I believe it's quite a potent combination because you've you've blended this idea of okay what is it let's picture where I actually want to get to let's open up possibilities and then you couple that with you know what are the resources that I already have for getting there yeah so you took you know so someone who's broken down on the side of the road with his car um, you talk about you know the preferred future so if you were dealing with that as well as possible how would you know you know, I'd be, I'd be staying calm. I'd be, um, you know, explaining to the drivers stuck behind me why I can't move. I'd, um, you know, call this number, etc. So you have this description of how they want to be, and then you couple it with the resources stuff of, you know, so when was the last time you were in a stressful situation like this and you, you managed to stay calm and and deal with it really well? Um, oh well, you know, there was that time when. I don't know, something went wrong. There was my house started to flood or something, and uh, yeah, I managed to keep my cool and do the right things. And uh, and when you couple those together, you couple this you know preferred future, the preferred you know future possibilities with the resources that I already have, and then I think that's quite a potent combination. Yeah, and maybe to add a note on this, it sounds um, it may sound to maybe people who have not tried it yet and think that they might want to, that this sounds too good to be true, that people, all you do is ask people to describe what they want. And um, it's not easy to do in, in reality because we often uh, encounter people who are so embedded in their thinking about what's wrong and they have analyzed every little single corner of it. And we. We find that sometimes that people need a lot of time to think about our questions because they're unusual questions, they're difficult questions. Um, there certainly may be simple questions to ask and to understand, like what's the purpose, intention behind the question, but it, they're not easy to answer either. Um, in terms of, say, if I think about, oh God, I've got to move this house and I can't find any proper house and oh, I'm, I'm, I'm losing this and this and that and the implication that this is going to have and somebody coming and asking me, okay, so what have you already tried? I'm going to be like, oh, nothing really because it's just so hard. Can I just tell you how hard it is? And is that going to leave me in a useful place describing how hard it is? Probably not. It's just going to be adding to my misery and then somebody coming and trying to ask me questions that would enable me to think about different options and possibilities is certainly not an easy task to do. And um, mm. sometimes, you know, it, it wouldn't go beyond describing what is it that people want to see different. And that's fine. It's fair enough. I mean, we're not trying to push people into trying to describe the future which is full of unicorns and rosy specks, not at all. We don't have the intention of going that route, but we send out invitations for people that they can do so. And if they do, uh, great. And if they don't, great. Yet they try and we all try and it is different and it is difficult. I think for me, something that comes to mind is that it's these two questions and one is that often I think comes out of people's mouths when they're trying to help someone is, well, well what do you need to do? What do you need mm -hmm. to do to get yourself out of this? Or what do we need to do to, to get you out of this position that you're in? And I think often the, the answer to that like, is, is simple. Like, well, if I knew that, I wouldn't be struggling with it. If I knew, <laughs> if I knew what I needed to do, I'd be doing it already. Yeah. Um, but I think, again, something that was mentioned this past week when I was talking to people about this in a training, it was this idea of as soon as you start describing what it might look like, as, as Ben and Bieber have already talked about, and you describe it in those day-to-day -day details in the sense of like what you'd be noticing about yourself as you're getting up in the morning or going into work or putting that phone down, those are like such concrete things 
that all of a sudden people can then see a way to get there because as Ben and Biba said you're doing them or some of them already and if you're not they're the simplest things to then often go and do or simpler mm. than I think when we when we face difficulties it becomes this big overwhelming like sense of unknown and as soon as you start hearing people describe things in a in a day-to-day detailed sort of way it's like oh well yeah I can I can go away and do that now actually yeah and that, that changes things for people, I think. So without that approach, it's a bit like trying to go on a journey without without having a destination in mind. Like you're never going to know how to get there. If you, you're just going to wander around the streets. Like you need to... Yeah, or running some, away from a problem. <laughs> yeah. You need to have like a destination. Yeah. Or, you know, sometimes people would think like, um, and this is not us knowing better what people should think but we see it in sessions for instance when people um, discover what is it that they're hoping for you might think okay so I uh, for instance if we stay with this house moving being evicted um, think like I am so stressed uh, I want to talk about it um, so that I feel less stressed or something and then if I was asked something so what are you hoping to be seeing instead uh, well maybe relieved okay so what difference would that make i wouldn't even ponder upon this house thing so much okay so what might you be um directing your attention to uh my work okay do you like your work yes for instance so the house thing doesn't even both doesn't even become as important as it is as it seems like at the beginning because what i'm hoping for is maybe do my work better and um have more time to do the work so sometimes when people come with us and they say, okay, this is what I want um, or this is what I don't want and this is what needs to be solved. And then with our questions, they discover, oh, actually, you know what? This isn't a problem uh, at all. I, I want to be free. I want to be happier. I want to be... And it opens up different possibilities that they haven't even considered before. Mm. I mean, I'm going to say something now that's potentially complete rubbish or controversial <laughs> and I'm willing to be shot by all of you but just uh, I, is is there a sense in which uh, solution focused as an approach part of it is about showing people what their real problems are <laughs> um, so and as an example Greg in the training that we filmed a little plug there you can find it online anyone um the training we did this section where we did a bit of role play and greg you were saying that the thing you wanted was money you wanted to win the lottery um and you came with the problem of not having enough money but ben you asked lots of questions and eventually you know questions like but if you won lots of money what would that do what would that lead to and what would that lead to and we discovered quite quickly that the problem wasn't money the problem was uh feeling content or happy i can't remember but it basically wasn't the initial problem that Greg came with. So although we say the solution focused as an approach isn't uh, problem focused, is there a part of what's happening here just showing people what their problems really are? Yeah. I disagree. Ooh. I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> these, these two, uh, I'll, I'll give a softer answer and then I'll let these two... Yeah. Uh, I'm just I'm just going to give knives a out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to give a flat no to that. Um, I don't normally give such certain answers, but that that one I'm going to give a definite no to. Um, okay. Only because like the idea of identifying a problem like in any way shape or form doesn't come into our minds. Well, it doesn't come into my mind at all. I I think when I'm at my at my best, I'm not thinking about this person needs to figure out what their problem is first it's it's completely more about it's easier to work towards something that you're hoping for that you want to see achieving rather than potentially to stop something else from happening so if there's this massive yeah i don't know using that example like massive financial worries um that people might have like going into that in more depth and details biba said isn't going to be of any use but if if we look at more of how would you want to be living your life instead if that wasn't such a big worry like what impact would that have on you or how would you hope to find yourself managing that worry then you're you're building more things on hope and, and possibility whereas i think the problem is such 
it, yeah, it's not a part of the process, I suppose is what I'm trying to say. Like, that people don't have to become aware of anything around what their problem is or isn't. I don't know if that makes any sense, but yeah. No is the answer. No. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, from, from my perspective. <laughs> okay. I, I can see, I would say I can see why that question's asked. Um, I would agree with Greg that never in my mind when I'm working with someone does does it even cross my thoughts about, you know, what is this person's problem or I'm helping them to identify their problem. Um, I have heard the phrase used around like it's, like two sides of the same coin so I can see where that question is coming from because if you're you're talking to them about their hope and their want is to be happier then you could suggest that the other side of the same coin is that mm. they don't feel happy enough so I can, I can see where that question is coming from but as practitioners and if we're talking about non-clinical settings if you people just have trying to have these solution focused conversations um, you just wouldn't let that enter your thoughts about you know what is the problem someone's trying to get away from and and like Bieber said with opening up possibilities and that sort of thing you know if, if we use this example of the financial worries and um, you ask and you get to the point where actually they want happiness they want to be happy again um, then the possibilities start to open up and whereas they might have started with you know this really concrete thinking of I need to raise my income you know or I need to get this amount of cash um, then potentially by the end of that conversation about happiness they might have found a different route to happiness which might be you know living more within their means but doing other things for for happiness and fun that kind of thing so it's, it's kind of that thing about broadening the possibilities but we're always we're always working towards and working with you know people's wants and hopes uh, you know for the future as opposed to thinking of problems or certainly not certainly we are never trying to identify problems as Greg said yeah yeah I, I just yeah I know that's not the the intention I just wondered whether that was a bit of a, a accidental byproduct was actually redirecting people to realize what it seems like that's what's happening often is like the thing that people present the problem is they realize that's not the actual issue when they go further and further down the line um yeah it is it is and uh, i agree completely with what greg and ben says and it's nice um nice verb that was used a couple of times to throughout today's podcast is that we send out invitations without yeah. the intention of directing or redirecting or getting people to uh, describe something that we would think is maybe better for them uh, or maybe say, okay, so happiness is so broad, so we better stick with happiness, happiness than winning the lottery. So we just shoot invitations pretty much yeah. and see um, which one the client or the people, the person we're speaking with decides is, is potentially going to be the one that would be worth um, pursuing. And we wouldn't know that. And that's another beauty of this approach that we don't have to know. So all we do is asking as many questions as, we, as we've got, which is usually conditioned by as much time as we've got. Sometimes that's 10 minutes, sometimes that's five minutes, sometimes that's 60 minutes. Um, and then it's up to people to, to do what, with it what they want. And the more invitations we manage to get out there um, without the agenda of where the, this would lead, the more options clients might have. Yeah. Okay, so I feel like I derailed us there slightly. No, not at <laughs> all. Right. And it, it is true that, that you know, uh, maybe just to add this, if I may, like very often um, we would have the feedback of people saying, oh, now I understand my problem much better. Or, mm. okay, now I know what my re real issue was. Or, mm. okay, now I know exactly what to do about it. And we didn't directly ask about neither of those three. And people no. come up with it. Very interesting. Mm. And I think there's there's something to be said as well because one of the criticisms potentially of, of the solution focused approach is oh you don't talk about problems you don't deal with problems and that's that's not true I think it's one of those things that we often bring the problem into the conversation and yet it's from a different lens it's from that lens of and you're managing that problem or you're overcoming that problem or you're you know you're handling that in a way that is still good for you I mean. Ben's example with the broken down car is, is one like 
Mm-hmm. You can't get away from the fact that someone's car is broken down on the side of the road. It's going to be there. I think the focus of the conversation is still how do you want to be within that scenario, within the, that challenging scenario. Mm. So I think that's that they are closely linked together, as Ben ever so diplomatically said about two sides of the same coin. So yeah. they, it is definitely there. I think, as Biba said, it's just not maybe our intention to raise okay. awareness around that. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Okay. Um, I know Biba, you've got to go relatively soon, so we'll, I guess we'll wrap this up. I just wondered. Um, I guess one of the groups at the moment that are probably thinking about how they're going to handle stuff in the next few months, next month or so is schools, people going back to schools. Um, and I know we have some teachers that listen to this. Is, is there any kind of quick things that we could talk about that help teachers perhaps stay any quick tips that we could reference or go, go to quickly that could help teachers stay solution focused over the next little while. I know Ben, you've been doing some work on this recently. I don't know if you want to kind of touch on it a bit. Yeah, I'll just share, I'll just share one point quickly and then I'll hand over to the other guys. So, um, you know, for me, the the biggest thing that I like to share with with teaching staff and education staff is this idea of going beyond well done. So, um, you know, a quick story which some of you may have heard before, but you know, I was um, due to go and work with a student in a, a local secondary school and went to collect them from their lesson. Um, and the teacher yeah, said, yeah, absolutely fine. You can take them, but could you just wait five minutes while I finish what I'm doing and then I'll send them out to you. Um, and as I sort of stood outside this classroom listening in, you know, hearing what was going on, uh, the teacher was uh, sort of going through the register, calling out students' names and asking them to shout back their, their scores from a test that day. Uh, and depending on what kind of number, what score the child gave, the teacher would respond with one of two replies. So they would either say, you know, that's that's lower than last time, what happened? So, you know, so Timmy, that's lower than last time, what happened? Or they would say, that's higher than last time, well done. And as I was listening to those two phrases, I was thinking um, they're actually equal in word count. You know, they're exactly the same length, those <laughs> sentences, <laughs> but they're not equal in value. And that's because one of them is a question you know, that's lower than last time, what happened? And one of them is a statement that's higher than last time, well done. And I think in a nutshell, that's what can happen so easily um, in, in schools and in other settings, but especially in schools, uh, where when something goes wrong or something is difficult, we tend to ask questions. And I know this because I worked as a teacher myself for a number of years. Um, so for example, if we think about homework, you know, if a student forgets their homework, we might typically respond to that with questions, you know, like why why didn't you write it in your diary? You know, what happened? Um, how come you didn't set aside time in the evening to get it done? Um, whereas actually if someone, if a student brings in a really good piece of homework, we might respond with a statement of praise. You know, like that's a really good piece of work, well done. And so my main tip from Solution Focus would be to go beyond that praise, to go beyond well done, when there are instances of success, when there are achievements, when people are um, you know, coping well. So in that example where someone brings in a good piece of homework, don't just give a statement of praise, but go beyond that and start being inquisitive about, so how did you come up with that idea? What did you do to you know, make it in, in such a way? You know, how did you find the, the energy and the ability to produce something of that standard? You know, let's ask lots of questions that inquire about people's and you know young people's and students' skills and resources, um, and and I think that starts to you know that that old idea that if if you hear something enough times you start to believe it, right? I think if young people hear themselves talking about their successes and achievements enough times, they will. St- I think that will start to saturate, and young people will start to believe that they are people who can come through challenges who can produce good pieces of work that sort of thing so that would be my top tip is um, you know go beyond well done if you find yourself giving statements of praise stop and think is there a question that i can ask as well that starts to highlight Mm. some of their skills and resources 
I don't know if it's so much, it might be useful for school teachers. I think it's useful for a lot of people, but something that's come up a lot lately is just that idea of we all have these massive probably to-do lists and so much we've got to do um, and get done. And I think sometimes just looking back at actually the things you've you've ticked off of that list rather than all the things that haven't been done yet and and looking for those times even if it's been a tough day looking for the times within that day that you've been you know pleased with something you've done even if it's two things and they could be small things the simplest things is you know i, I stopped myself and I, I grabbed a cup of tea before i went into that next meeting or that lesson like those little things that people are doing to kind of keep themselves going like just make a mental note of those as you're going along. No, as soon as we're doing tips, Bieber, go on. You, you must have a good tip for someone. I think I'll just repeat what I've said before. It make, might make a massive difference if we perceive people not as problems that need fixing and as assuming that everybody is doing their best in what they're doing, even though it might come across not as such, but people have good reasons for behaving the way they do. Um, mm. And that sets up a different mindset for a different conversation than assuming that people need to be fixed because they're problems. And one thing, yeah, to add to, add to all of this um, before we finish, I mean, we talked a lot about uh, using different questions and nuances and um, the little details as in one changing one word. This is totally advanced solution focused practice. So don't feel overwhelmed. You don't need to be um, that proficient and uh, uh, superb at it to do the job. And we do recommend and this is not like trying to sell you anything, but we do recommend that you kind of attend the training where you'd get skilled um, because it's skills that you need to develop, not the knowledge and not the theory, but the skills. And you can only learn those by attending a training where you get a chance to practice and sort of reflect on what you do and how and why and we've yes. got some training packages of course yeah great point uh, where, where would people find them if they wanted to if they wanted to investigate this more go on greg <laughs> <laughs> why do i always get the one stuck with being the website because I, I get it wrong every time <laughs> Yeah, me too. I, I thought I'll ask that question because then we won't have to touch on the fact that we get it wrong every time. And here we are again. <laughs> again. <laughs> sfpossibilities.org. It's okay. very simple, really, isn't it? It is. Yeah, but I don't know why. It well, doesn't... To, to Jamie and me, not so much. <laughs> ah. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why it doesn't just register. So weird. <laughs> you might have a good reason for doing that. <laughs> Great. Okay, um, if you are a teacher um, or work in schools, we have got some uh, piece of, I don't know what we would call it, a video resource that's out now that you can access. Uh, ben, do you want to just give a quick, quick overview of what that is for people that might be interested? Yeah, sure. Um, really, really, this was born out of um, conversations with a lot of participants on our training. You know, a lot of uh, heads of years, pastoral staff, teachers, uh, lots of staff from schools, uh, teaching assistants who've been on our trainings. And we often get feedback that says, we genuinely, we love this. We really love these ideas. Um, however, the reality for us in our day-to-day -day is that we just don't have the time. We just don't have the time and space to actually sit down with young people for those you know, 30, 40, 50 minutes to do these full sessions. Um, you know, how can we use this stuff in a more you know, informal, flexible way? Um, you know, and pe people are interested in that and they're interested in how can these ideas become part of a, a whole school ethos, part of a school's DNA. And um, so we, we're just producing something in response to that, you know, because we want to answer those questions for people and, and help them on, on their journey, on their solution focus rumour and, uh, you know, creating for themselves uh, the best possible resources from this. Yeah, that's great. And again, that, that is on our website if you're interested in that too, along with all the other resources that's there as well. So we hope uh, everyone found this conversation helpful. So thanks, guys. It's good to chat to you again. And uh, we will see Cheers, everybody. everyone next time. See you guys soon. See ya. See you. Bye. 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 
As always, thank you for listening to this episode. We'd love to get some feedback about how we're doing and how we can make this better. So check us out on social media and also have a look at all the training that we're offering at sfpossibilities.org. And we'll see you next time.